0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Big mistake. Big. Huge. This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the world championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom! Chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now. The Blazers win in four-overtime Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. What could have been? What could have been? A phrase synonymous with Portland Trailblazers basketball. Am I right? You know, I was talking with my fiance this week and the Blazers of the 80s came up. Uh, yeah, different debacles. Uh, Greg Oden. Uh, yeah. Talking about Sam Bowie mostly, though, uh, from the 1980s. Started talking about Clyde Drexler and started having that old what-if conversation. As crazy as it sounds, I was talking about the Blazers' big three that never was in Clyde Drexler, Arvita Sabonis, and Michael Jordan. That team together, if that would have happened, say the Blazers never did take Sam Bowie, I was saying that team would have won no less than three NBA championships if the Blazers were smart enough to take Michael Jordan instead of Sam Bowie. This team's history, as awesome as it is... Remembering the championship in 1977, this team's history is full of blunders, both in the draft and via trade, and it goes beyond just the Sam Bowie draft picks of the world. And you're not a real Blazers fan unless you bring up the Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan draft pick story uh, at least once a year. All right, to err is human, sure, but when you are the one human charged with leading an NBA franchise, your errors are much more impactful and are scrutinized under a microscope by the media and by fans. Now hindsight always twenty-twenty, but there are also epic mistakes that stunt the growth of your organization. Think, uh, for instance, think of Blockbuster missing out on the chance to buy Netflix back in the day. And if you go and look that up, Netflix was actually laughed out of the room by Blockbuster executives. Well, who's laughing now? Definitely not blockbuster because they don't exist. So my point, because ridiculous blunders have been on my mind during this coronavirus pandemic, the Sam Bowie draft choice over Michael Jordan, Greg Oden being taking over Kevin Durant. I thought it would be cool to talk to you and go over the worst five trades in Portland Trailblazers history. That's right. The worst five trades in Portland Trailblazers history. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for episode 14 of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one sports podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? if you have any burning questions about Rip City, want answered on this show, or if you heard something I said, want to tell me I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter, on the air, Jordan, with an O. This show available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. So I wanted to have some fun while we're sitting at home uh, during this coronavirus craziness, uh, trying to come up with stuff to do. So this episode of Believe in Trailblazers will cover the worst trades in franchise history. There have been something like 10 full-time GMs in team history. Uh, 12, if you count the interims. Uh, I think Todd Lewicki and Chad Buchanan were the interims. Uh, and, and these moves spread across all different generations of Blazers executives. These I, I picked the five worst trades in Blazers history. And you can't really point to one guy and say he was worse than the other. So I put a list together and I ranked them from the fifth worst trade up to the very worst trade in Blazers history. I'm wondering if people listening already know what that is. Stick around and find out. Number five. Right there, they were trying to go to Martell Webster again off an Aldrich pick. Crossover move by Webster. Baseline jumper. A tough shot over Miles. And he puts it down. So maybe Martell can heat up and be that guy. That's right. Martell Webster. June 28, 2005. Martell traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Luke Babbitt and Ryan Gomes. GM John Nash made that move. Why? Honestly, I'm not even sure. Uh, Martell, he did battle a lot of injuries, never lived up to the hype of being a sixth overall pick right out of high school. So I'm assuming John Nash and company were looking for an upgrade at uh, what Martell was doing for them at the time, basically the Blazers' sixth man, and they saw Luke Babbitt as that upgrade. Martell never really lived up to expectations overall as a player, but he was a fan favorite. Uh, At the time, he was just 23 years old, but a five-year veteran in the league when he was traded. And Webster, he had career averages of eight and a half points, three rebounds. You know, nothing great as far as stats that are going to blow your skirt away. But the point is, he was consistent for the Blazers, which means that he actually did show up and was able to give you what you expected out of him. And even after missing a season with a stress fracture in his foot, following year, he appeared in all 82 games. So... Even though he did fight injuries at times throughout his career, his effort, A+. Plus. And him trying to get onto the court and help his team, he was always doing so. He was a 37% shooter from three when he left the Blazers, and he had connected on 120-plus three-pointers each of the two seasons before the Blazers traded him. And every year, Martel gave them the same thing. Yet, well, what do they do? They want to go and find a better option, which they're not even sure if it's a better option in Luke Babbitt. And after the Blazers traded Martell Webster, Martell gave the exact same output for four more seasons and actually scored 11 a game for the Washington Wizards. He started 62 times that year, so he was right there doing exactly what the Blazers needed, but because he had injury problems, they decided they wanted to upgrade And like I said, they thought that upgrade was Luke Babbitt. Well, they're stupid. Martell retired in 2017, by the way. So Luke Babbitt, uh, they did get Luke Babbitt and Ryan Gomes. Uh, Portland stupidly releasing Ryan Gomes less than a week after the trade. It's like, well, you know what? We don't think he's going to fit well on our roster. (laughs) B.S. Who was a better option for you guys that year? You're going to give more minutes to Sebastian Telfair? Come the hell on. Uh, Just so... Already seeing it as a dumb move when you're releasing one of the two pieces you got from that trade a week later. Babbitt, uh, the 16th overall pick out of Nevada in 05, he was a pretty high scorer and a big three-point threat back in college, and he was also six foot nine coming out of college, so a few teams in the NBA thought that that scoring ability along with that size, kind of raw ability there would transfer well to the NBA, but oh how they were so wrong. Babbitt ended up looking clueless most times he hit the court in Portland and spent a lot of time with the Idaho Stampede of the D-League, now the G-League. After three seasons of making a million a year on the bench and doing nothing besides hitting a few threes, he signed with the team in Russia after leaving the Blazers. He did return to the NBA in 2013 and was a role player for bad teams in New Orleans and Miami. I think he started a few games uh, that season for Miami. And then in 2018, that was his last year. I'm not sure he's retired, but the league seems to be done with him. So overall, Martel Webster for Luke Babbitt and Ryan Gomes. This was a big miss. Trying to upgrade a spot on the team that they already had a consistent producer in with Martell Webster. I, you know, my bosses do this too. I can't stand this. Nash, he saw a shiny new thing. Shiny new player in Babbitt. John Nash did. And he whiffed. Plain and simple. There are just way too many guys taken in the middle of the first round like this that Portland misses on. To me, Martell was flipped basically for another Nolan Smith or Victor Claver who have kind of just ridden off into the sunset without doing anything in Portland. And as a diehard Blazers fan, as much as I loved Martell Webster, I will never forgive John Nash for trading him away. All right, here is the next worst trade, in Blazers' history on our list. Number four. Jump shot by Petrovic is good. He can shoot. He's a very good shooter. And he's never seen a shot that he hasn't liked. No, not very good on defense. January 23rd, 1991, Drazen Petrovic traded to the New Jersey Nets for Walter Davis from the Nuggets. And they also got a second-round pick. The GM to pull that move off, former Blazer player Jeff Petrie. All right, why did they make this move? Drazen Petrovic demanded a trade. Simply... So the Blazers' execs uh, coming in really didn't value him correctly. Why did he ask for a trade? Because they only wanted to use him as a stand-up shooter. That did not fit well with his game at all. Drazen used to creating scoring opportunities for himself, driving to the hole, tossing the ball out to a teammate. So he was really used to being the focal part of the offense. And obviously in Portland with Clyde, with Terry, with everybody – that's not going to happen. Portland was really looking at him more as a shooting option, somebody that could provide them a punch from beyond the arc off the bench. But he was way better than that. Uh, but I, what I don't understand, Portland paying almost a million and a half bucks to his European team in a buyout just to get him on the roster and then barely used him. And then after they did that, they then added Danny Ainge a season later. So you end up with too many guards on Portland's roster and... That includes one that you were apparently so high on. I just don't get that. You worked so hard to get him off of his team in another country to come have him play in Portland, and then you don't use him? What the hell? So Drazen Petrovic, uh, like I said, he rode the bench during his time in Portland until he demanded a trade. So during his second season in the league, Petrovic ended up going to the Nets and lit up the NBA. They used him Immediately. And I think he was averaging like four or six a game for Portland, immediately averaged 12 a game for the rest of the year for the Nets. And then next year, he started all 82 games for New Jersey, scored 20 a game, and then 22 a game the following season. Tragically, though, he passed away in an automobile accident. happened on the Autobahn in Germany when the car he was riding in hit a semi that had crossed the median in 1993. He was only 28. So, Drazen Petrovic, one of the best scorers of that era. Portland uh, giving him up for a guy named Walter Davis. Walter nicknamed uh, the Greyhound. Uh, He had a speedy style of play, also a sleek physical appearance that he was known for. Davis, for the first decade of his career, averaged over 20 points a game and was a six-time NBA All-Star. Pretty good, Uh, though he did have some issues with cocaine. uh, Had to go to rehab a couple of times. That and a back issue caused his talent to decline very quickly. And the problem for Portland when they got him is that he was in the second to last year of his career when he came over from Denver. He only played 32 regular season games for the Blazers, averaged six points before returning to Denver for one last season and retiring the following year in 1992. I, just what a stupid move. I understand that the Blazers didn't really like Petrovich on their roster, but... But it, to me, that's like if you gave up a good young piece like an Anthony Simons for a 38 year old Kevin Garnett. And hey, don't give me any of those nasty tweets saying that Anthony Simons isn't nearly as good as Drazen Petrovich. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that you can't be that stupid as an organization, completely undervalue somebody like that, and then give them up for an aging veteran. And that's what gets me about the move i mean despite everything i talk about Drazen being known for uh from europe he started playing professional basketball when he was like 15 in croatia playing for the croatian national team had already been to the olympics so he was a known commodity petrovich had two different portland gms watch him play three if you consider bucky buckwalter a gm all overlook him as a player What a colossal error caused by, I guess, a combo of ego and hubris by Portland executives. John Spolstra, Bucky, and Jeff Petrie were all proven so wrong about Petrovich. Portland missed out on one of the best overall scorers of the era, and they undervalued him so much that they didn't even get a proper return for him. That happens, I warn you, Portland fans... That happens up higher on our list one more time. All right, here is the next worst trade in franchise history. Number three. Mark Bryan on an inbound play. Who's going to break out? It's Drexler. Turns around, puts it up. It's good! Score the basket! He scores at the horn, Clyde Drexler. That is right. The third worst trade in Blazers history, February 14th. 1995 at the trade deadline, Clyde Drexler along with Tracy Murray flipped to the Houston Rockets for Otis Thorpe draft rights to Marcelo Nicola and a first round pick. Uh, The GM that pulled that one off, of course our favorite trader, Bob, Bob Witsit. All right. So why did the Blazers make this move? You know, this is actually a pretty simple one. Clyde, the glide Drexler wanted to be traded to a contender and it was very clear that Portland was starting to go in another direction Uh, really rebuilding their team going forward. Clyde didn't want to be a part of that. He wanted to win a title before he retired. So that's understandable. Uh, Clyde, of course, he was an eight-time All-Star at the time when he left Portland. He led the Blazers to the finals in 1990 and 1992, of course. uh, Went on that season to win a title that he was traded uh, with the Rockets uh, and Hakeem Olajuwon, and then played three more very productive seasons for them after that. Uh, he was scoring actually nearly 20 a game until he retired with his hometown Rockets. So I think he retired at like maybe just 35. <laughs> wow. He still had something left in the tank. I know athletes, you don't really want to be playing until your skill is diminished to the point where you're not what you're used to, to being out there not producing like the way uh, that you're used to in your career. But the fact that he was still scoring 20 a game until the year he retired is just crazy. And it speaks to how good a, of an athlete and a player that Clyde Drexler was. And simply put, one of the best of all time and probably one of the most overlooked players of all time since his prime came alongside Michael Jordan's and then the twilight of his career that we're just talking about came at the same time Kobe Bryant came into the league. So what did they get? What did the Blazers get for one of the best players in NBA history? Otis Thorpe and Marcelo Nicola. Now, Otis was a great player. Uh, He retired averaging 14 points a game and eight boards after 19 seasons in the league. So great career, a great player in Otis Thorpe. But for some reason, Bob Whitson only kept him around for 34 games before flipping him off to Detroit uh, for a guy named Randolph Childress and Bill Curley. And Randolph Childress spent maybe, oh, no, 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 two seasons in the NBA. That's it. For the Pistons and the Blazers, only averaged two points a game. His career cut short by a torn ACL and disagreements with Trailblazers coach P.J. Carlissimo. Bill Curley, the other piece in that trade, an eventual bench benchwarmer in the NBA who never even played a game for Portland. And then Marcelo Nicola was a euro stash prospect who never actually came to America or the NBA. These are the people that trader Bob Witsit got for his star player still on the back end of his prime in 1995. You have got to be kidding me there. And then at the end of the season, we all have to watch him win a title. You know, that was good. I guess you want to see the guy win as a Blazers fan. Uh, I don't know. This move, for me, it's not one of the worst simply because it was made. You know, Clyde was getting older. I get it. And the Blazers gearing up for a rebuild. That's something you have to accept sometimes as a fan. What, for me, makes this the third worst trade in franchise history is the fact that Bob Witsit didn't get anyone close to an impact player in return for the face of the franchise. That alone makes this an unbelievably epic blunder, and it's enough to keep me upset about it until I leave this earth. Just saying. And I was only six when this happened. I don't really remember it. I I would love to hear about how pissed fans were at the time when they realized they weren't really getting anybody back. Wouldn't you think Bob Witsit could get a ton more for a 32-year-old star in the NBA? Apparently not. So, Clyde Drexler to the Rockets, the third worst trade in Blazers history. Now, the next one. Number two. 76ers up by nine. Bullets haven't been able to get anything going shooting-wise. Malone with the fake on Roland puts the shot down. (laughs) That's right, Moses Malone. This is a big name and probably one a lot of Blazers fans didn't actually realize. Uh, Moses Malone was a Portland Trailblazer, but on October 18th, 1976, Malone was traded to the Buffalo Braves, now the LA Clippers, for a 78 first-round pick and $232,000. That was made by GM Harry Glickman at the time. So, why did they make this trade? Well, there are a couple versions of reasons: one for Jack Ramsey, and then one from Harry Glickman. Uh, In the summer of 1976. Portland traded Jeff Petrie and Steve Hawes to the Atlanta Hawks uh, for their second overall pick in the ABA dispersal draft. With that pick, the Blazers grabbed Maurice Lucas and then used their pick, the one that they had their fifth overall pick to draft Moses Malone, who had obviously been coming from the ABA and hadn't played very well uh, because he was the first player in the history of pro basketball to jump from high school to the pros. So, you really aren't sure what you're getting in Moses Malone coming out of the ABA, but then you get him in training camp and he looks really good. So what do you do? Well, in his 1978 autobiography, the Coach's Art, Jack Ramsey. Blazers coach said the Blazers front office had made it clear to me that from the beginning that the combo of Malone's $350,000 purchase price and his high salary contract would make it impossible for the Blazers to keep him. After I saw what he could do in the exhibition season, I really wanted Malone to stay with us. So, Dr. Jack claims that this is thanks to cost-cutting jack-wagon executives in Rip City. But, according to GM Harry Glickman, it was Ramsey that did not want to play Moses Malone. In his 1978 autobiography, Promoter Ain't a Dirty Word, Glickman said, We drafted Malone with no intention of keeping him for the Trailblazers. We intended to involve him in a trade. Ramsey didn't want any part of Malone, even in training camp. So all summer long, we tried to make other deals for him. Who do you believe, Blazers fans? Simply, you're kind of left trying to choose a side after that. Coach VGM, who wins? I want to side with Dr. Jack, but it's hard to know who's telling the truth here. Regardless, Moses Malone went on to be one of the best players of all time, and one of them... Either Moses or Harry or excuse me either Jack Ramsey or Harry Glickman screwed up bad. Moses stood 6 foot 10, averaged 20 points a game and won 3 MVPs over his career that spanned 21 seasons in the NBA and ABA. Yeah, 3 MVPs, 3. He was a 13-time All-Star, 6-time rebounding champ, made two All-Defensive Teams and is in the Hall of Fame, obviously. He's the only guy in the NBA to ever win back-to-back MVPs with two different teams. That would be the Houston Rockets and then the Philadelphia 76ers. He won a title that year in 1983 with the Sixers as well. Good to note Moses Malone was also an Ironman. He hardly ever missed a game. So yeah, over 21 years, he was a freaking Ironman as well. He was nicknamed the chairman of the boards, not board like Frank Sinatra, chairman of the boards, and played mostly for the Rockets and Sixers. He also did have productive years in Atlanta, Washington, D.C., and Milwaukee before spending one season as a backup with the San Antonio Spurs before retiring in 1995. Tragically, though, passing away from heart-related issues at the age of 60 in 2015, we lost Moses Malone way too soon, just like we lost Drazen Petrovic. Uh, way too soon as well and who did the blazers end up getting for moses malone Uh, you heard me at the outset announcing this trade it was a first round pick that first round pick ended up being the number one pick in the 1978 draft and the blazers took michael thompson and michael thompson was a very good player for the portland trail blazers he spent seven seasons there he averaged 20 a game Uh, During the 81-82 season, uh, he was named to the 79 All-Rookie team and also started nearly every game for the Blazers after his rookie year. Uh, Then, though, traded to the San Antonio Spurs for center Steve Johnson in 1986, who was actually a decent center himself, uh, who spent the final three seasons of his prime with the Blazers before moving on. Michael Thompson would spend a year with the Spurs before coming off the bench for the Lakers to back up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Vlade Divac, as well as A.C. Green for the next five years. He won two titles with the Lakers in 87 and 88 before retiring in 1991. And of course, yes, Michael Thompson, the father of Warriors star Clay Thompson. Uh, You know, so this trade blunder isn't so much about what Michael Thompson didn't accomplish as it is about the Blazers missing out on one of the all-time greats in the NBA. It would not matter who the Blazers took with their first-round pick unless it was like MJ, maybe. And a conversation between Jack Ramsey and Bill Walton illustrates this perfectly. This comes from David Halberstam's book, The Breaks of the Game. Um, It was a book about the history of the Blazers in the Bill Walton era. Uh, This is a quote from that book. On the following Monday, the team held a meeting, voting unanimously to keep Malone. But even as they were talking, Harry Clickman, the GM, came into the room and told them that it was too late. Later that day, Ramsey appeared at a practice session. Players were subdued. Moses had already packed and gone. We just traded Moses to Buffalo, Ramsey said. Bill Walton asked, what did you get for him? We got a first, Ramsey answered. You didn't trade him away, Walton said. You gave him away. Walton couldn't have been more correct. Two weeks after Portland traded Malone to Buffalo for its number one pick, Buffalo traded Malone to Houston for two number one picks. So this wasn't even hindsight. Even as the Blazers made the move, it was quite quite clear that Harry Glickman, Jack Ramsey, or both of them were very unsure about what to do with Moses Malone, while the rest of the NBA seemed to have it figured out. I'm sure that there are fans out there that loved Michael Thompson as a Blazer, um, but I will always think of the decision to trade Moses Malone as Harry Glickman's worst blunder as a GM. Can you imagine what a team, Just, just sit there for a second, close your eyes, imagine Bill Walton, Maurice Lucas, and Moses Malone all wearing Blazers uniforms. What would have that team looked like? Uh, how many titles could they have won in the late 70s into the 80s, especially with some of those weak NBA teams in the 80s? That is the question I will leave you with regarding Moses Malone. All right, and now, the worst trade in Blazers history. Number one. The inbounds to Devlin on the sideline. Set off balance by Robinson. No autopsy, no foul. Devlin in deep. Kemp trying to pack it. Refused at the top of the summit by O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neill. Yes, and you do recognize that voice. That is Kevin Calabro calling that old game back from the late 90s with Jermaine O'Neal in it. That is the subject of the worst trade in Blazers history. August 31st, 2000, Jermaine O'Neal and Joe Klein backup center traded to the Indiana Pacers for Dale Davis. And the lovely GM to make that move, good old trader Bob Whitsitt. So why did they make this move, Jermaine? He was a blossoming young talent drafted out of high school in 1996, and he wanted playing time. The Blazers, however, way too stocked with talent. Down low, they had Rasheed Wallace, they had Brian Grant, you have Arvita Sabonis, just too many guys to give minutes to. And even though Jermaine O'Neal could play the three, they had guys like Detlef Schrempf and Scottie Pippen taking minutes up there as well. So Jermaine getting some of those extra minutes at the 4-5, and but becoming super impatient. So the the summer after the 2000 season, this was just after their busted run in the Western Conference Finals, almost getting to the NBA Finals, Jermaine O'Neal demanded a trade. And it was actually the same offseason, just to remind you that Bob Whitsitt got rid of Brian Grant. So Jermaine wanted to play, and instead of keeping him, they wanted to go after Sean Kemp who they eventually got for Grant. Uh, So Jermaine, of course, would go on to be a six-time All-Star and the face of the Indiana Pacers for almost a decade. He led the Pacers to 61 wins in 04 while averaging 20 and 10, also won the Most Improved Player Award the very next season after the Blazers traded him. Just ridiculously stupid on their part. After getting traded again in 08, he remained a very productive player for the Raptors and Heat as well, Uh, before the final four seasons of his career were spent with the Celtics, Suns, and finally the Golden State Warriors. He was so good, Jermaine O'Neal was, because he was a triple threat. He could shoot, he could rebound, and block on an elite level, just like you heard in that highlight introducing the top worst trade in franchise history for the Blazers. He retired, though, in 2014 with career averages of 13 points, 7 boards, and 1.8 blocks per game. What could have been for Jermaine O'Neal in Portland? What did they get for him? Dale Davis. Now, let me point out, Dale was not a bad player by any stretch. I guess more accurately, when he came to Portland, he was what he was. He was coming off an all-star season, an important piece of an Indiana Pacers team making a run to the NBA Finals the year before, averaged 10 points, 10 rebounds a game, and in Portland, it was basically more the same for Dale Davis. He grabbed 10 boards a game, cleaned up with a few baskets around the hoop. Never really known as a score, though. He was just kind of there. He spent four seasons with the Blazers as their starting center before they acquired Theo Ratliff from that Rashid Wallace deal uh, to get rid of him. So Dale, after that, spent three more years in the league, two of them warming the bench before hanging it up eventually with the Detroit Pistons in 2007. So Tremaine for Dale. One of the biggest mistakes you can make as a GM is giving up on a young player with potential too soon. All right. I know the Blazers were known to have a roster stacked with talent at the time. But simply, I think Witsit just gave up on Jermaine O'Neal too quickly, regardless of demanding a trade or not. I mean, Witsit's even quoted as doing so, giving up on Jermaine. We developed Jermaine and we liked him but he was frustrated and didn't want to be here. I still think he'll be a really good player in this league. The book on Jermaine will be finished 10 to 15 years from now. We're trying to win a championship. We're close, and we're trying to do all we can while we're in that window. This trade literally set the Portland Trailblazers back almost a decade instead of with its intended effect of trying to use him as a piece to get somebody back to get them over the hump for a championship. How close were you, Bob, really? Sure, the roster was stacked, but Sabonis was getting older and the Blazers stupidly traded Jermaine away at the same time that they did Brian Grant. If that didn't happen, Jermaine would have been getting a ton of minutes in 2000 and 2001 because you would have seen that Sean Kemp was an absolute bust. And past that, Jermaine would have been starting by the season after since Arvita Sabonis had returned to Lithuania to sit out the year. That's not even hindsight. Mike Dunleavy had that plan in his mind, according to quotes from Kerry Eggers' book, Jailblazers. Instead of denying the trade requests in the second year of a four-year deal, Mike Dunleavy and Bob Witsit relent and trade a 21-year-old to the Indiana Pacers. They gave up on someone who would go on to be an impact player for years, and in return, only got a center at the very top of his trade value was good for indiana it was not good for the portland trailblazers and it was the worst trade in the history of the portland trailblazers because it set them back so long i picked each of these moves and ranked them in a way uh, i did to represent what could have been for portland it's kind of the theme of this episode so in my mind the Jermaine o'neill trade was the most impactful on the franchise in the very worst way All of these moves had different effects on the team and they were mostly made by different individuals as we highlighted at the beginning. So the next time you want to start talking about the fact that Sam Bowie was taken over Michael Jordan or Greg Oden was taken over Kevin Durant, don't forget about Portland's monumental screw-ups involving franchise-level players like Moses Malone and Jermaine O'Neal as well. Portland has never been able to attract major talent through free agency. So they're left to improve mostly through draft picks and trades. And because they are way more limited free agent wise, it is imperative that the Blazers always get these decisions right or avoid making blunders as bad as these five. Otherwise, whoever is pulling the strings will set the organization back by years, if not more. All right, Blazers fans, that is a wrap on episode 14 of Believe in Trail Blazers. I hope you enjoyed essentially what was an entire episode of This Week in Blazers History. I'm going to be putting out more podcasts just like this in the coming weeks. Uh, So check back with Believe in Trailblazers for some great Blazers content during this crazy pandemic. If you have any burning questions you want answered about the team or you think I'm crazy, lots of people do. Hit me up on Twitter, on the air Jordan with an O. This show available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Please, please, please hit the download button and subscribe wherever you listen. You'll really be helping me out getting that random algorithm to show this to as many new listeners as possible. All right, that's all for now. Portland fans, stay healthy and wash your hands. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe.